can say right now is thank you, Jesus. Can everybody say that with me? Thank you, Jesus. Wow, where would we be without him? I'd be dead. <laughs> That's what that was my that was the path I was on. So I was glad that he came along. Oh man. I'm gonna read Matthew 26, 26. We're gonna start with communion. Communion is where we celebrate and we remember what Jesus did for us. If you have Jesus in your heart, you're free to participate when we have communion. If you don't have Jesus in your heart, now's a good time to make it happen. Right? Now is the time of salvation. Now. It's not tomorrow. It's not next week. It's now. So, I'm going to read 26, 26. And this was the first communion when Jesus was having the Passover supper. It's his last meal with his disciples. From here, he left to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he spent a night praying and wrestling, hoping God would say, there's another way, but there wasn't. And so he had to die for us. That was the only way. He had to do it. And so then he went from Gethsemane to eventually to the cross where he took all the sins of the world and he died so at the supper as they were eating jesus took bread blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said eat take eat this is my body interesting it's the bread jesus called himself the bread of life and healing is the children's bread there's just so much around bread in the scriptures and and the benefits of bread. It's a life-saving food for us. Most people, you know, bread is something that you have to have to have a good, healthy diet. And then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. The blood. There's power in that blood. There's power. It took on the sin of every single person in this planet. Past, present, future. One time. In, in the past, the Jewish religion, they had to kill goats and bulls and lambs every single day and shed blood every day just so the sins could, so God could look the other way at their sins. Jesus came, not only does God look the other way, he took those sins and washed them away. They don't even exist. In his mind, they don't even exist. He doesn't even remember them. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, the east is this way, the west is that way. How far is that? How far is that? He took those sins away from us. He took them all. He put them in the sea of forgetfulness. If you go to God after you've been born again and you say, oh, I'm so sorry. He's going to say, what are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, kids have that selective hearing. Well, God has selective forgetting. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, sometimes not just kids, people hear what they want to hear. They don't always hear everything because they kind of block out the parts they don't like. But 
not with God. He forgets. He forgives, but he forgets. And it's washed. It's washed away. And in Revelation 12, 11, talks about that a little bit. I just want to actually touch on this just a bit before we go into communion. And John was given a vision, and this is the book of Revelation. Actually, we'll start with verse 10. And John heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And here's what happened. Here's how it happened. And they, who are they? Us. That's right. Us. Were they? Us. Those people who received Jesus, who are born again. Us, the believers. That's us. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. This was a commitment, a life and death commitment, life and death change. But it's so worth it. It is so worth it. I can tell you that. It is so worth it. Jesus is so worth it. He is worth it. So we're going to have communion now. And like I said, if you've been born again, you know what? There are a lot of new faces here today. I just want to make sure everybody here has a chance to receive Jesus before we move into communion. So I want everybody to close your eyes. It's a real simple thing. I'm assuming if you're here that you know who Jesus is and you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and God raised him from the dead. That's the first part. Just believing in, believing in your heart that Jesus is God who died for us and God rose him from the dead. The second part is real simple. It's just saying what you believe with your mouth. So we're just going to say this together because I just want to make sure everybody is on the same page so we can all enjoy communion together. Say, Father God, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus. I believe Jesus is God's son. He died on the cross for my sins. And you raised him from the dead. Jesus, come into my heart. Fix everything that's broken. Make yourself big in my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're all on the same page. <laughs> if, you, if this is the first time you prayed anything like that, you asked Jesus in your heart, well, you're in the family of God now, so you're family. Yes. That's just the way it is. Anyways, we invite anybody who's in the family of God to join us for communion. The good news is you don't have to be perfect because Jesus already did that for you. So you don't have to feel like you're not good enough.
Also, it doesn't matter how old you are. As you notice, kids can participate in this. Old, young, it doesn't matter. Family is family. Kids can be part of this family too. First, I'm going to pray for the bread, and then we'll pray, and then we'll participate together, and then we'll pray for the for the cup. So, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You are the bread of life. Thank you for coming, and we remember that you gave your body for us. Thank you. Jesus, we thank you for the blood. We thank you for your blood that you freely gave to us. That blood that has so much power. We thank you for that. Thank you for washing us white as snow. We thank you and we remember the sacrifice that you made for us. You would rather die than live without us. So thank you for that. We love you. Drink the cup now. So because we have new people, I'll introduce myself. My name is Jane. I'm normally the children's pastor here, but Vern has given me the opportunity to preach every so often. I get to be in front of all the adults and, and talk to you. So. I can tell you that I like things simple. I like to make things simple because I'm used to teaching children. So that's what I like to do. So there is a word, a quality of life, a characteristic of Christians that God has put on my heart the last couple of weeks to talk about today. We're going to start with John 10.10, one of my favorite scriptures. Life comes at us, you know, good things, bad things. And this scripture really helps us understand where those things come from so we know how to deal with them. And Jesus said, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. Yes. And kids, who is the thief? The devil. That's right, the devil. That's who it is. What does he do? What does he come to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. That's his job. That's all he does. 24-7, that's what he's trying to do. I don't want to be on the receiving end of any of that stuff at all. But I have come, and this is the words of Jesus. In some Bibles, they have the red print when Jesus is talking. If I, this was one of those Bibles, this would be red print. He says, I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. In some cases, in some translations, it says they may have it to the full. Full doesn't mean you're so overwhelmed doing good that you have no time to breathe. Full means a satisfied life, a happy life, a content life. That's what full means. That's what Jesus came to give us. 
He has good plans for us, and he wants us to have the best of everything. And many times, I know when I first came back to the Lord, I had backslidden and I was a mess. And I came back to the Lord after all that time, and he revealed himself to me in a very supernatural way. And my heart was so excited. I don't think I slept for three days, you know, because I was just so enamored that God loved me. He gave me a very supernatural experience of his love, and it touched me to the core, and it changed who I was. And it was a forever thing. It was a forever change, and that was 30-some years ago, so it was a long time. But I'm still in love with Jesus, and he's still in love with me. So that's, that's to me, is even more important than me being in love with him. So we're going to read Romans 121. And this is talking, before this, there's scriptures where it says people say they don't know God, but God says they don't, men don't have an excuse because he gave them nature, and they can look at nature, and they can see God. They can look at the stars and the heavens and see God. They can look at the trees. They can look at springtime and all those flowers, and they can see God. They can know that God exists. And they can see those good things, and they can know he's a good God. They can know that. But then in verse 21 of Romans 1, it said, although they knew God, hmm, this could apply to me. <laughs> I know God, right? Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. Not, no, no glory, no thankfulness, nothing. And so they became futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Have you ever reached that place where you just feel... I know many times I had a pastor who said, tell your feelings to shut up. And sometimes I would have to do that. You know, but sometimes our feelings will lie to us. And there may be times when we just feel we're going through life and all of a sudden we feel like we've hit a dry spell. Like, God, where are you? God, where are you? I don't feel you. Where are you? You're missing. Uh-oh, what happened? Did God go anywhere? No. He said he'll never leave us or forsake us, right? So that means I did something. That means I did something. Well, one of the things that will help us have that abundant life and have that freshness of a relationship with God is having an attitude of gratitude. That's what I call it, attitude of gratitude, and being thankful. In the Old Testament, they talk about Thanksgiving being a sacrifice. There are days when Thanksgiving is a sacrifice. I don't feel like being, being thankful, you know, when my son is on my last nerve, and I don't think I have any nerves left, and I don't think I can recover from that, and I'm just on the last nerve, the last thing I want to do is praise God and be thankful. Don't want to go there. But God says to do it. And that's a sacrifice to do that. So, and then there's other times when I go back and I look at all the things God has done 
and I just play the tape over and over and over in my head. It's easy to be thankful. It's easy. And so thankfulness just pours out of me. Praise is really just another way of giving thanks to God. It's being thankful. And we're going to talk about that. Well, in Nehemiah chapter 12, gives us a little description of thankfulness. Nehemiah helped rebuild, was rebuilding the temple and they had gotten the wall up and they were really excited. And so they were celebrating. And, and on, in verse 27, now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites in all of their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgiving and singing, with cymbals and stringed instruments and harps. The Levites were the group of priests. Their job was to serve God and to serve the people. That's what their role was in that society. They were the tribe responsible for the temple and taking care of the temple and all those other things. Well, they also were responsible for the praise and worship. And they came with thanksgiving because they were so excited that God had helped them build this wall. And so Nehemiah brought the leaders of Judah up on the wall and he appointed two large thanksgiving choirs. Never heard it called that before. I was, when I was looking up studying Thanksgiving, I didn't even realize there was such a thing as a Thanksgiving choir. Maybe we need to have one of those sometimes. <laughs> Music leader. <laughs> as we get bigger and we grow, we have more singers. We can have a singer, we can have a Thanksgiving choir. That's their job to sing. And he put, he separated them into two groups. And one was on the right hand of the wall, and they started at the refuse gate. Okay, where the trash goes. That's the gate where they took the trash out of the city and dumped it. That's where these Thanksgiving singers started. What are you going to do? God has a sense of humor sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you look at where you are and go, wait a minute, wait a minute, I don't think I signed up for this. <laughs> I didn't sign up to praise God in the middle of a trash dump. <laughs> you know, I didn't do that. But yeah, he did. He signed them. And then the other group started at a different gate. And they started there, but they did not stay there. As they gave Thanksgiving, they did not stay there. And they walked up to the steps to the top of the temple. And they were at the top of the temple and says they stood in the house of God and they sang loudly with their director and that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced for God had made them rejoice with great joy women children everybody rejoiced because of this tavern you know and this thanksgiving choirs let it all off amazing amazing that heart of thanksgiving that joy that comes with thanksgiving. Yes. It's, when you have joy, you, have th you can't have a thankful heart. Yes. You can't have joy without a thankful heart. It's pretty hard to be joyful without a thankful heart. 
pretty hard to have that abundant full life without a thankful heart. I don't think you can. And so giving thanks and giving praise go hand in hand. They go hand in hand together. And the Bible talks about rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So important he had to repeat it. When a writer repeats something, I pay attention because that means this is really important. <laughs> you know, when you tell your kids to do something more than once, it's important. Yes. It's important, you know. And so that's fun. We're going to read 1 Thessalonians 5. This talks about the importance of being always thankful. This isn't my normal Bible. It's one I borrowed because I forgot to bring my Bible, but that's okay. The words are still the same. Yes. So it works. First Thessalonians 5, verse 16. You're welcome. And here it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. Not for everything. Doesn't say for everything. Doesn't say be thankful for everything. I know there's some teaching out there that talks about that. That's not what the Bible says. It says in everything, through everything. In it, through it. Because we're going through. We're not stuck. We're getting to the other side. We're all doing that together. That's why we're the body of Christ. We help each other. We do it together. We've got the victory. That's right. We do. We do. So, and then it talks about the importance of the Holy Spirit in all of this, because without him, there's nothing. If he wasn't here with me, helping me right now, I would be sitting in the chair. I would be like, no church today, sorry. Because <laughs> I don't do that. I mean, even with the kids, when I'm teaching the kids, if God's not in it, we're not doing it. It's that simple. Because it's not about me. It's never about me. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. Always, 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 always. Everything I do, I want everything I do to point to Jesus. Because he is the one that makes it all real. He's the one that makes it all possible. Without him, we're nothing. We're the dust on the ground. We're really nothing. So, I heard a preacher say this, and it really convicted me. and said, is there more complaining or giving thanks coming from your mouth? Well, I can tell you, I do my share of complaining. <laughs> and, and then when I heard that, I went, oh, ouch, that hurt. That hurt a little bit. Okay, maybe a lot. Because <laughs> I kind of like to complain sometimes. <laughs> I want everyone around me to feel sorry for me. Poor Jane, her life is so hard. <sighs> no, <laughs> no, it's not. I got Jesus. <laughs> but we have things to be thankful for. And you know what? I'm just going to read a couple of things. Psalm 63.3. There's something we have to be thankful for. Psalm 
Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Because his love is better than life. That's true no matter what. Whatever our circumstances in life are, wherever we find ourselves, his love is always better than life. And that's something to be thankful for. When we look at God, I was watching a movie a few weeks ago, and it was a Christian movie, and, and one of the things, there was this man who was just very bitter and mad at God, and somebody suggested that he create a thank, a thank you journal. And in this journal, every day, he would reflect on the day and look at things he had to be thankful for, and he would write them down. Well, by the time he finished that journal and started the next book, he was totally on fire for God and totally in love with God. And he had a whole different perspective on life, a whole different attitude. Because he saw those things. He paid attention to those things that made him thankful. First Chronicles 16.34. I like to use lots of Bible. When we're in the classroom, I have the kids look these verses up and they take turns reading them. And if they can't read, we help them. You know, the Bible, this is truth. This is truth. If it's not in here, eh, it might be truth, it might not. But if it's in here, it's truth. I can trust this. I can live my life on this. I can bet my life on this. And I do. 1634. says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Yes. We sang about that today, how good he is. He's always good, for his mercy endures forever. And there's, there's a, a scripture that talks about his mercy being new every day. My son was using drugs. This is, he was a lot younger then. He was 19, and he was using crystal meth very heavily, and he died. And God raised him from the dead. Thank you, Jesus. A week later, he's back in the crack house, whatever, doing the same stupid thing. And that first time, God had totally delivered. He had no withdrawal, no nothing. He was totally delivered. God was a miraculous intervention. And then he was back, doing it again. And I remember laying in bed, crying my eyes out, worried. Is my son going to die? Is he going to die? I don't want my son to die. I love my son. And I'm laying there, and God's like, give him to me. Give him to me. Let me have him. Put him in my hands. I went, no, I can't. I can't. I just can't. God, I can't let go of him. And, he's, and then I heard the little voice that says, well, why not? said, because I'm afraid. I'm afraid he's going to die again. And here's what I hear. And it totally blew my mind. He says, I raised him once from the dead. You don't think I can do it again? And I'm like, what? <laughs> no, I know you can. I just didn't think you would. I mean, don't we just get one shot at that? We just get one shot? But is that what God says? He says, no. My Bible says, my word says, 
My mercies are new every day. And from that day forward, I have prayed for that son and those new mercies every day. And his life, he's still struggling with the addiction 20, 30 years later, still struggling with the addiction. But he has a testimony. He has a lifetime of mercy, of mercy, where God has stepped in and kept him alive, kept him alive for his purposes. God has a plan for him. He's not through with him yet. And I'm his mom, and I have authority, and I'm going to use it. I'm going to keep that boy alive until he fulfills that plan of God on his life. That's just the way it works. We're going to do that. The year that he tried seven times to commit suicide and could not, could not make it happen. Could not make it happen. And he would call me on the phone and say, Mom, stop praying for me. <laughs> it's not working. I go, and it's not going to, so quit it. <laughs> Straighten up. Stop. And the seventh time was the last time. That was the last time. And he stopped and he said, I don't want to die, I want to live. And he did give his heart to the Lord. And he is trying to follow the Lord and he is struggling, but he is trying, you know, it's real. What he has is real. And it's a real battle for his life, and I know that. But Jesus is going to take him through it. He is going to take him through it because victory, as you said, Vern, we have the victory. And so I can be thankful so when I look at him and he fell on his face again and I want to just kick him to the curb, God says, mercy, be thankful he's alive. Okay, okay, you got me there. <laughs> you know, I'm a mom. I really don't want anything that drastic to help to him. So, yep, yep, I'll be thankful. And God tells us to be thankful. In Colossians, he says, be thankful. Be thankful. He wouldn't ask us to do it if it wasn't possible. One thing I've learned is whatever you focus on is what becomes big. So I have two choices in life. I can focus on the problem and how big it looks. And it can look like a mountain. I can look at that. And I can focus on it. And I'll tell you what, if I look at that problem, it gets as big as a mountain. And it gets bigger than a mountain. And it'll take me down. It'll take me down and put me in a fit of depression if I let it. Because it's like, oh, I can't do this. I just can't do this. It's too much. It's too hard. Can't do this, God. Can't do that. And here's what he tells us to do in Philippians 4, 6. And this is what he reminds me of, sometimes hourly, <laughs> daily for sure. Philippians 4, 6. Look at that baby in the back. Hi. <laughs> That's so beautiful. So in 4, 6 it says, be anxious for nothing. So do we get to worry about little things? No. The big things? No, because no, it says nothing. Nothing means nothing. That's right. right? God says nothing. 
But in everything, by prayer and supplication, uh-oh, what's this next part? It says, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. So he'll say, okay, I know you're, you're praying. You're asking for me to do stuff. Are you doing it with thanksgiving? Do you have a thankful heart? Do you? Yes. Sometimes I don't, and then he corrects me, and I go, okay, let's do this the way you tell me to do it. Because that's always that always works better when you do things his way. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so then I'll pray with the Thanksgiving, add the Thanksgiving to the prayer, because you know what God has taken us as a family through so many things, and He's not done with us yet. He says His mercies are new every day. So you know what? When I wake up in the morning, I got a brand new set of mercies yes. to work with. Hallelujah. Brand new. Get to start all over every day. I love it. Yes. Never, you know, he just keeps giving us these do-overs so we can do it right. Well, having a thankful heart also helps us walk in love with other people. Because if you're thankful for what you have and you're content, you're not going to be envious when other people get stuff that you don't get. And it might not even be stuff for me. It was like, oh, man, I've had a dream to go live in Israel. And a friend of mine got to go live in Israel. <laughs> I had an opportunity there. <laughs> and I, you know what, I was thankful. I was thankful. I had children, and I couldn't leave my children to go move to Israel. I, had to, I was the single mom. I had to take care of those boys. So you know what? Thank you, God. And thank you that I'm financially in a position where I can help my friend pay for that trip. You know? And God used her to lead people over in Israel to the Lord. So, you know, nothing for me to be envious of at all. Just be thankful. And so somebody gets blessed, and it might be something that I might want for myself, what does the Bible say? Make my request known to God. How? With thanksgiving. So it's like, okay, God, I'm just going to enjoy the fact that my friend is getting to enjoy these blessings. And Lord, you know I'd really like this for myself, and I'm just thankful that I'm your daughter and you love me, so I know you're taking care of me. And he does. He does. I'm always well taken care of. So I just want to encourage everyone to be a thankful person. That's part of our nature. That's part of the God nature that's in us now is to be thankful. Be a thankful person. Be thankful to God. Be thankful to others. Do you know what it does to someone's heart when you thank them for something, even if they act like it's not a big deal? It blesses them. Yes. It blesses them. Look for ways to tell people thank you. Yes. That's how we share the love of God. That's how we show the love of God. And you don't know what door could be opened just by saying thank you. You don't know what opportunity God could make 
by those two little words saying thank you. I mean, when I go through a drive-thru or whatever, I'm always careful to thank the people. I've had grandchildren that worked in drive-thrus, and some of the stuff they put up with from the customers is horrible. And having someone come through with a smile that says, thank you and God bless you, Amen. can make their day. Yeah. It can make their day. In an otherwise crappy day and a crappy job. <laughs> you know? So, remember to say thank you. Remember to show appreciation when people bless us. And we're just going to close with a prayer. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you that you love us so much you sent Jesus. Thank you that you love us so much that you healed all of our diseases. Thank you that you love us so much that you meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you.